from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School Series XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we are here today with Michelle and Danielle, who are going to make this ship run smoothly. Thank you guys in advance because you guys are the behind the scenes magic that makes all of this work. So I have some very exciting things to talk about today. But first, I'm going to say today is all about listeners choice. It is Listener's Choice Thursday, and we are taking your calls on any job search topic. So if there's something you want to hear us weigh in on, today is the day, and you can reach us at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So two exciting things to share with you as we kick off today's career talk show. First, we're broadcasting live from our studio in San Francisco. So, hey, 9 a.m. Eastern time here, noon Pacific. And if it's Thursday, we're live. And we have a crowd favorite in the studio here in San Francisco, Ross McPherson. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thrilled Woo-hoo. to be here. Yeah. So Ross is the president of Request. <coughs> he is a certified interview and job search coach, recognized as one of the best resume writers in North America. Ross has spoken extensively to audiences across the U.S., Canada, and Asia, including to our MBA students right here at Wharton. We like to call him the legend, and we're excited <laughs> to have him in studio in San Fran for career talk today. I don't mind being called the legend. It's actually <laughs> the only place to get called that, so yeah, feel free. Yeah, so Listener's Choice Thursday, you've picked a I great day to be here because I, I know people love hearing your advice on resumes, LinkedIn, covers le- cover letters, and all of the, the favorites. So 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's noon Eastern time on Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live and taking your call. So, okay, Ross, every time you come on, I, I kind of think, all right, let me look at what the new resume trends are. You come on about every yep. every six months or so. Yep. So, you know, I'm looking and, I'm, you know, there really isn't anything new. I mean, there's a couple of things, but I'm like, what happened to... The slide share resume. What happened to the infographic resume? What happened to all of these things that were going to replace the traditional resume? There's always trends. There's always the latest and greatest. There were there were you know internet e resumes ten fifteen years ago, and they kind of they had a little bit of blow up, and then they kind of disappeared. Um, the traditional resume still works. It's most companies are still set up for them. That's why they still they're still around. Yes, there are infographic resumes. They're cool. You can make them part of your toolkit. But you know what? You still need that traditional resume. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, um, there are a couple of things that are new to the resume, like tiny things. But I think there's been more additions that companies are looking for. They want their traditional resume, but now they want you to have maybe a website. Yep. Yep. Or maybe, well, definitely a LinkedIn profile. Definitely a LinkedIn profile. It's Uh, nice to have other sort of um, collateral that backs up as part of your brand, as part of your marketing. So you can have, I know people who have videos, they have their own little YouTube channel where they talk about their industry, what they do. Uh, Things like that are fantastic because you can also link to them in your LinkedIn and it creates a really dynamic presence because you're going to be Googled at some point. So might as well put some really interesting stuff up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the functional resume and the functional resume is where you put your, you kind of clump your, your experience based on different competencies. Yeah. That has kind of come and gone because I think now recruiters realize that that just, you know, pretty much screams red flag. Something's it's, it's, wrong. It implies that you're hiding something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the truth is recruiters and employers honestly hate them. Mm-hmm. They really genuinely do. So the truly functional, full functional resume, it's no longer a viable option. Hey, if you want to weigh in on this, maybe you are a recruiter, HR individual, and you have a comment on resume trends, we'd love to hear from you. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, okay, there are a couple of things that that have come up that I'm like, hmm, I'm scratching my head. So, So I was looking at these resume trends, and they say no more colorful fonts. And I thought, was this ever a trend? 
colorful oh, fonts? Colorful fonts. There was a period where things were, I mean, people, it got a little colorful, a little crazy. You can use, those are back in the days of fancy paper and things like that. So I will say this, there is a bit of a trend now that you can add a little bit of color, a little bit of flair to the resume, but it's really subtle, incredibly subtle. So maybe a heading is a different color. Maybe, you know, your name might be a different, I mean, it's really, really subtle stuff. Mm-hmm. I will say one trend, and you may be, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but one trend is they're getting more and more concise, even more concise yes. than they've been. So you've got to get to the point, keep your bullets really concise, keep your summary at the top if you've got one, which I always, and you and I both agree, put something great up there. They've got to be really concise, really well-written, really impactful, more so than before. The one-page resume is something that, you know, we're supposed to master in 2017, and I thought, you know, I pushed on that for a while. I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, two pages is not ridiculous, but I think this is going to move towards a one-page, especially because of all the backup data that we have with, with our Twitter account and our LinkedIn and, yep. and our webpage, our YouTube. So, I mean, I think that's what employers are going to want. They want the standard resume with the, the key information, but then they want to find that backup information online. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're dead on. So this is tough. This is tough for people who've been in the workforce for a while because trying to get 20 years onto one page, how do you do it? It's, it's, tough. You've really got to cut. And what I very often say to people is you've got to capture the essence of your value in a particular role. So if you, um, if you're looking at a particular role that you've had, whether your current one or the previous one, you want to put it down on the resume, you may not have the luxury on a one page resume to give them seven, eight bullet points in terms of what you've done. You've got to condense it down to the top two or three. What did you re- where did you really add the most value? What really stands out? You've got to summarize some things. You've got to really find, okay, what is the essence of my role at that position, at that company, where was my real value? And you've got to really condense it down to the, the, the enough that they are in, they're intrigued. You've got to give them the absolute best of what they need to know. Not only the real value, <clears throat> but also what's relevant to the to, job you're applying absolutely. for. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's one place where people can really reduce what they have on their resume. Because mm-hmm. sure, you're proud of your accomplishments, and you should be. But if it's something that you no longer want to do or something that your new employer isn't going to really care as much about, that might be an opportunity to to take that off that version of the resume. Especially if you're switching careers? Yes. Absolutely. What's what's relevant to your target audience? You and I have spoken about this before. Mm -hmm. Resume's got to be aspirational in its tone. It's got to be pointing you towards your next opportunity, not just reiterating what you've done in your past opportunities. So it's got to talk about where you're going next. And if where you're going next doesn't have as much to do with what you've been doing, you can really really fine-tune and select what's the most relevant detail I need to tell them. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about switchers because it's yeah. a topic I love, and more and more people are doing it. More and more yep. people want to do something either functionally different or different industry or something just complete double switch. But yep. hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with the legend, Ross McPherson, talking all things LinkedIn, resumes, the job search, and it is Listener Choice Thursday. So, We want you to call in and ask anything you like about your career search. So I do have a listener email that I'm going to read. Um, So I just got a promotion, but it won't be official until next quarter, which is about two months. How do I represent this on my resume? Riley in Massachusetts. Interesting. Well, it actually probably, first off, poses a few questions, which one of which is if, I mean, are you going to take the promotion or are you still looking um, what purpose are you, why are you updating your resume if you've already yeah, that got was the promotion? My first that's, was so like, hmm. that's my first one. <laughs> um, let's assume that there's a really valid, viable reason why you need to update this on your resume. How can you put down something that you haven't necessarily started yet? You can include that. Um, include the job title, include some blurb about what you're going to be stepping into. And, you know, you can put your starting date and so forth. If you want to, you can add that. But obviously, there's not an awful lot of detail. You're adding like one line, Mm -hmm. maybe two. That's it because you haven't done it. You can only talk about what you're going to be doing. It's going to be a tiny little piece of your resume. But I'm even questioning it again. And more often than not, what what the purpose is in adding it if if you intend to take the promotion. Yeah. So, all right. Let's just assume there's all good intentions. Yes. Always. It. Always assume that. <laughs> always. <laughs> so, yeah, as I'm digging into the question, I think the question is really like, is it a lie if I put it on? Um, so I would want to know, is this official? Like, is it in writing? Is it a done deal? Or is this somebody saying, well, 
we are hoping to promote you next quarter. So, I mean, I yeah. think that makes a big difference. Uh, I also agree with you. You're not going to have much to put under that job in terms of accomplishments. So that's mm -hmm. a factor. But I do think you can you can put in a bullet point that says, you know, selected for promotion and then, you know. Yeah, mandated to do this or this or, or to do to add this value in this mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yep. I kind of look at it as as a I mean, in terms of, you know, adding it in there, um, if, if it's sort of like if you're enrolled in a, in a certification program or if you're enrolled in a program and you want to add that to your education, I absolutely think by all means add it. Add it in there that you're getting, you know, um, whatever, pick one, CPA, CFA. And if you're enrolled in it, then add it to your education just simply near the date put enrolled or starting, you know, September 2017 or something like that. It belongs in there. You are part, you are enrolled in it. You haven't completed it, but you're enrolled in it. It's kind of like in the same vein as that. But again, it's it's not going to carry an enormous amount of weight. Mm -hmm. So don't give it an enormous amount of weight in the resume. Riley in Massachusetts, thank you for <coughs> tweeting your questions at Great Dr. Question. Don Graham. And hey, if you're just tuning in and you've got a question, if it's Thursday noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We are actually live from San Francisco today. <laughs> Uh, with Ross McPherson, the man, the magic, the legend, <laughs> uh, who is taking it gets better and it does. better. It gets better it gets and better. Better and but, better. So, all right, let's go back to the switchers topic because yeah. I love this topic because this is becoming more and more of a thing. We know people stay at a job on average four point two years. Millennials half that, so people are making job changes. Now, it's not always a switch. Sometimes they're they're getting <coughs> promotions or yep. moving into a different, uh, you know type of role that's related but for people who are making a true switch so maybe somebody is going from say operations to uh, marketing or, right. or something of that nature or maybe we, we've also gotten calls about people who have been a manager but they no longer want to be a manager they want to go back to a line position right. so I mean there's a lot of different switches that you can do but let's talk about when you're writing the resume or cover letter or LinkedIn how do you communicate that because <coughs> you're essentially trying to talk about something that you've not exactly done. Right. That is challenging. Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, first off, when it comes to anything you're putting, your resume, your LinkedIn, your cover letter, everywhere, you've got to really connect the dots for the person in your new career where you're pointing yourself. You can't sort of just put your old resume together and hope they'll connect the dots and say in your cover letter, I'd like to go from marketing to operations or operations to marketing. You've got to make an, uh, turn it into as much of a marketing um, resume as you can as market talk about where you can add value and very often and it's you know these are three of my favorite words there's those three magical words ideally suited to where you can say I'm ideally suited to add value in this way this way this way but you've got to know and this is a mistake so many people make you have to be able to articulate here's how I can help and be specific mm -hmm. you can't just generally say I'd like to go into marketing or I'm, passionate about. or I'm passionate about I'm passionate about that. That's lovely. That's it. really lovely. But <laughs> I want to know how you can help my company. Yes. So if you want to step into a marketing role at my company, you better know how you can help my company in a marketing role. And you've got to be articulate, which takes a bit of research, a bit of knowledge, a bit of everything. You can learn about my company, learn about as much as you can. But really in your resume, in all of your marketing, on your LinkedIn, if you're moving into a different career, you'd better start talking about that career, everything you can add to it and know your stuff, know where you can fit in. Mm -hmm. So I would say kind of wipe the slate clean and start your resume. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Yes. Because it's very tempting <clears throat> to hold on to those those projects or those accomplishments that don't fit. Like, for example, I've had a number of people who have a Ph.D. and they're very um, signed in a scientific, but they want to move into business. And yeah. once somebody sees that Ph.D., the assumption is, oh. Yeah, you're just not the right fit when, in fact, they may have great business skills. They may even Absolutely. have an MBA, but it's like that thing, that Ph.D. is distracting and putting you into a category that, you know, they're thinking is not a fit. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. to take that off. It's it is. hard to. You've, you've got some amazing accomplishments in your just to use that analogy. Still, that operations background, you've got amazing stuff. You're, you're loath to get rid of it. You don't want to get rid of it. But the reality is your target audience that's not what they're interested in hearing. Mm -hmm. So you've got to tone that piece down and redirect them into everything you can do for your new career. Talk their language. What about the cover letter? Is that a good place to talk about your career switch? Uh, I only mention it. If I'm writing a cover letter for a client, I'm only literally mentioning, I'm currently looking to transition my career from here to here. Mm -hmm. and, but the vast majority of that letter, and they're very concise. I'm not saying it's a whole page. But um, the majority of that letter is everything you can add into that new career because that's what they're interested in. 
Where can you add value? How can you help me? Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I don't think you want to belabor, to no. belabor the point that you're making a switch. And I would even say be very careful with your language around I'm looking to expand or I'm looking to broaden my yeah. experience or I'm like I'm looking to deepen. So so, you know, kind of talking about it as more of the logical next step. Yeah. And how what you're bringing solves the company's problem. That it makes sense. Otherwise, you're absolutely right. If you get the tone wrong, and I've seen them, and I'm sure you have as well, it, it sounds apologetic. You spend an entire paragraph in your cover letter sort of explaining why you want to do this, and it's and you're kind of hoping, and it almost be- they're almost begging, and you sound really kind of sad, mm-hmm. and you re- but you don't. You want to sound motivated. This makes sense. This, this is how I can help. Let's talk. Yes. Confidence breeds confidence. There you go. You're confident. I'm confident. Exactly. At 844-Wharton, it's 844-942-7866. Speaking of confidence, if you have a question and you're hesitating to pick up the phone, don't because oh. we're pretty friendly. We're here. <laughs> we're here. We're here. For you. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we are taking your calls all hour long if it's noon Eastern, um, 9 a.m. Pacific. Today's Listener's Choice Thursday with Ross McPherson, the legend. So <laughs> we're going to go to Sherry in New Mexico. Sherry, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thank you for taking my call, and good morning. Um, good morning. I'm calling because I have a semi-complicated um, portfolio, and my resume currently is four pages. And... <clears throat> I am going to be expecting it to be six pages, and I know that's not... I'm glad I'm calling in, and I'm glad this is a great conversation for me to learn from your experience. So my job is a traveling nurse. I've been a nurse for 25 years, and I travel all around the United States to different top-notch facilities. Mm -hmm. I have been a permanent nurse in a permanent job position for 12 years in the ER and as an educator in that ER. But I also um, alternate between my contracts. My contracts are three months at length, and every three months I might go to a different place. And I do pediatric ICU, neonatal ICU, adult, and PDER. So I'm alternating. So I have massive amount of experience in different fields, highly marketable. I just don't know how to put that in a short, condensed, concise resume. Yes, Sherry, you are not you are not alone, first of all, because it does sound like you have massive experience in a lot of different areas. So I think first you have to figure out where who's your audience for this resume, because you might have different versions for different audiences. So maybe you have one for the pediatric, one for, you know, the neonatal, one for, you know, another audience. So I think that's one way that that you can shorten it. But I mean, definitely six pages is yeah, we got to pair that down. Gonna, um, but here's the thing. Like, think, you know, Ross, I like to think of it as like a movie. So when you go to a movie, they give you like the 30 second kind of commercial mm-hmm. and you kind of base like, do I want to see more? Right. Obviously, they don't show you the whole movie. They want to entice you. And I kind of think of it that way, Sherry, when you're you're putting your resume together. Sure. You want to put all that great stuff in. But maybe that's an opportunity for you to put that into your LinkedIn profile and say, you know, for more information on this, yeah. you can see my LinkedIn. R- Ross, what else would you re- recommend? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess if you've spent, you know, um, an entire career um, in nursing, as you'd said, uh, that some of the work that you're doing, if you're traveling around doing this and that and the other thing, some of it is in terms of the content, if you're up to four to six pages, some of that content is starting to get repetitive in terms of, you know, if I go back, you know, to this role six years ago, I'm saying the same thing that I was saying before that, before that, before that. If you're starting to get repetitive and you're saying the same thing over and over again, that's opportunities where you can really cut down. Yeah, because it really loses value. It. it loses value. It absolutely yeah. does. If I read the same thing over and over again, if I've got a person who's a marketing coordinator for the last six years at six different companies and they're saying the same thing in every one, it's not, it's losing, it's adding less and less value the more they say it. So you either have to find, you know, and also as you go back in your career and when you get, again, to a four to six page resume, I, I don't know, but it, it it's possible that... Um, if you're just adding to it, then some of the earlier roles, you can, you can either pare those right down or I very often, one of the tricks that I've done in a resume is if I don't want to go back into detail to the role 15 years ago, cause there's really no value in it. Um, then what I'll say is previous roles or previous experience includes this, this, and this with this company, this company, and this company. And that might cover 10 years of experience. 
that it only takes up two lines on the resume because going back the stuff from 10 years past and, and previous is adding is of questionable value to your career today in most circumstances. Yeah, and that that applies to t- technology Everywhere. positions. Oh yeah, everywhere. MS, DOS, radio. Uh, oh yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, so there are opportunities. I guarantee you, there are opportunities to pair this back. If your most recent experience is the most relevant to where you're trying to go, put most of your emphasis there, and then pair it back. And you can even start pairing it back at like six, seven years. And start pairing it back and then just summarize the, the first 10 even. Yeah. I've seen that all the time. And even uh, we talked earlier about creating a website. I mean, you can yeah. do that for free. And I've seen more and more people do it. It's, it's actually as easy as typing in Word pretty much. And you can put all of your experience there. You can put multimedia there. Yeah. And you can direct people to that website so that they can get the bigger picture of who you are, Sherry. But but yeah. this is something so many people struggle oh, with. Oh, absolutely. It is hard. I will tell you, I have a two-page resume and I've... I'm struggling with getting it down yep. to one page, which is why I have to hire Ross <laughs> to help me to help me do that. But Sherry, thank you so much great, for giving us great a question. call on Career Talk. Hey, we're taking your calls all hour. It's listeners' choice today, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. And we're gonna go to Tatiana in New York. Welcome to Career Talk, Tatiana. What's on your mind? Hi. Um I have a, like a couple, like maybe six questions. One, Okay, work, we're going to get that down to one. <laughs> <laughs> I work we're as a case coordinator um, for an organization that works with people with mental illnesses, and I do, like, direct mm-hmm. work, like, medications and, like, basically, like, helping them plan their life and gaining independent skills. And I want to move into, I guess, like, the marketing, PR, communication fields. And I had found a job that was, like, looking for, like, it was, like, an apprenticeship um, position, but and I'm like in the process of creating my resume. Like I was up all night doing this, and basically, I guess one like all the certifications that I have are for the field that I currently work in, like CPR certified, suicide prevention mm-hmm. certified, and stuff like that. Should I include that in my resume since it's not relevant to that job? So you're looking to move from um, like a nonprofit to a corporate marketing role, just to clarify, Tatiana. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you're so you're looking to. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting switch, Ross. That's an interesting switch. And I'll just quickly bring this up because anytime you're making a switch, and I know, Don, you can speak to this as well, there's basically, generally speaking, there's three things you can switch, geography, function, or industry. And uh-huh. the more things you try to switch at one time, the trickier it gets. So for sure. say, for example, if you were trying to move into a marketing role but decided to stay within the not-for-profit or the social services end of things, then a lot of your social services background and your, your nonprofit background is a little bit more relevant because you're coming in with industry experience. Um, as if you're trying to move into a pure corporate, well, like say you're trying to move into a marketing role at a technology company, well, holy smoke, then there is a bit of a disconnect. And you're right, you don't need to go into exhaustive detail. And you might be able to pare that down. If we talked about one-page resumes, you might be able to pare it down to one page. But if you're, again, if you're making a move into marketing, you've got to make a case in the top, I usually say by halfway down page one, you've got to make a case for you in marketing. You've got to talk yes. about your ability to step into marketing. I can do this. And if you've done any marketing, you've got to highlight that. You've got to make it, turn it into a marketing resume. I think you know that. And though. that's another, yeah, for, for sure, for sure. And I think I've, <laughs> I've kind of grasped that too. But like another part of it is like I am the treasurer of the Upper Hudson Green Party. It's like the local Green Party organization. Mm-hmm. Can you put political affiliations on a resume or should you? Because a lot of like my event planning and marketing experience is through that. Okay. Rather than like a paid job. No, you, you absolutely can. I mean, there's t- a couple of things. I understand what your concern when it comes to any sort of political and the same thing with religious affiliations. You've got to be careful with them. It, you've got a choice. You either put it out there and say, this is my experience and you can highlight it. You could, for example, on yours, if that's where most of your marketing experience comes from, you could put that above your professional experience, your work, other work experience and just call it marketing experience or something like that and highlight that. Call the organization what it is and tell me everything you've done from a marketing perspective. If you're a little concerned at how it's perceived, at, at, you know, if you put the name down, you can sometimes come up with a generic kind of a term that just simply says, um, you know, a local political or statewide political organization or something like that and not name it. And then just mm-hmm. sort of describe it from there. You can do that, although at least expect that when you get to an interview, they're going to ask you what the organization is. So right, it does. Right. So someone will ask you, guaranteed. Okay. Okay. So, and yeah. another one more thing. Um, sure. Is, a lot of like my I'm 22, but like so like a lot of my job experience is just like McDonald's and Wendy's and stupid stuff like that. 
except for like the past three jobs I've had have been like more like serious occupations. Is it okay if I leave off like the little, you know, the little jobs or is it okay if I just like have like three solid real jobs? So, yeah. So, I mean, Hey, everyone starts somewhere, but here's, here's kind of the, the deal as you progress, the older jobs become less important. Also, if your skills that you've gotten in the, the, three more recent jobs align then you probably don't need to put that other experience on your resume and you bring up a couple of good points Tatiana one is the the switch from nonprofit to corporate this comes up a lot at Wharton and uh, with our clients and this is something that I think too as Ross was saying as as a switcher there's a lot of assumptions in the world of um, you know corporate about nonprofit and kind of what we were talking about earlier about PhDs and being able to do business and so my question to you is is how good is your network? What do you mean by that? What does that mean? So um, the people you know in the places you want to go. I mean, do you know people in the companies you're looking at? No. So that would be the place that I would start because your resume needs to be spot on. That That is a must, but it's not going to be your door opener. Your door opener is going to be your network. So what you want to do is kind of look at those companies that you want to go to and start looking at your classmates, perhaps former, former colleagues, people in your family or friends or neighbors who might be able to make introductions to these companies because that's going to be your opener. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You start asking your friends and family, your first inner circle, do you know anyone in marketing? Do you know anyone at these organizations or this type of organization? And you just start getting that. And even if the word, and I know the word networking is the word out there, so that that scares the pants off a lot of people, that word. I just think of it as connecting with people. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. You're talking to people. You're learning. You're asking questions. And the more you know, Tatiana, I guarantee you, people will start. And if you start making an impression and it's like this, you know, she sounds really gung-ho. She sounds really interested, really motivated. And at the end of every conversation that you have with someone, is there anyone else you could recommend I talk to? You never let that connection just die there. You always try to extend it. And all of a sudden you'll realize that you're starting building a connections. And we also in the career world call them allies. When you're trying to make a career switch, you need a couple allies in your team and they start introducing you to other people. And that's when great things start happening. Mm -hmm. Tatiana, thank you so much for giving us a call on career talk. We wish you all the best (coughs) in your career. Hey, if you've got a question, you can reach us at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to career talk on Sirius XM channel 111. We're here with Ross McPherson, who is the president of career quest. And we're going to go to Richard in Virginia. Richard, welcome to career talk. What's on your mind today? Hi, Don. Hi, Ross. Uh, Hi there. Hi. Um, It was just perfect timing that you were on today, Ross. Uh, I picked up a book called Knock Them Dead. It was like a 35th edition book about the resumes and stuff this morning. And I noticed that uh, resumes all had the headings on it, on their samples that I looked at. And I thought, well, this isn't what Ross Ross prescribed. I I should ask him, why would would Ross not want headings in this 35th expert, 35th edition anniversary expert? To, uh, to now, can them. you, de- Richard? Can I ask you when you dis- when you say a head uh, a headline or heading? What yeah, do you mean by a heading? Thank you for uh, asking. The, yeah. The profile, uh, maybe qualifications summary. Uh, it was a previous uh, appearance you made on Don's show that yeah. uh, that you made an argument. No, you don't put the word profile there. That absolutely no. Oh, no, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love this. Wait, can I just have to jump in, Richard? Because I'm like, what would Ross do? This is our <laughs> new saying of the day. I'm reading this resume book, but what would Ross do? And that's well, right. the right answer. And, yeah, and I, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to answer your question, Richard, I, I, I will always be a proponent of some sort of a profile at the top, but I am not a fan. I will openly admit I am not a fan of the word profile or summary at the top because that believe it or not, is more often, it's what's called the visual center of the page. And you, I probably mentioned it last time you heard me. That's where our eyes naturally fall. They don't even go to your name first. They go to that section, that kind of a, a third of the way, a quarter of the way down the page. So why not put something there that says something? If you're going to put something big and bolded and centered, the word profile or summary doesn't say anything. But the, the phrase, you know, senior marketing coordinator or, um, you know, systems analyst, and then underneath that, 17 years experience, whatever, that says something. That stops me in my tracks if that's the person I'm looking for. So if, if, they st- if some of the samples in that book still have the profile at the top, 
I, I can't speak to it. Um, word profile. But the word I, the summary. Wor- the word summary. The word profile. I love the having a summary and profile, but you don't need to entitle it. Right. You, you, don't, you really don't. I like the way you say it, Ross, when you say that's it. like writing resume at the top oh my of gosh, your resume. Yeah. Well, they know they it's know a resume. It is. So they know it's a profile. They know it's a summary. So why not use that space to your advantage and put some more keywords Exactly. And you've only got seconds to grab their attention. So don't waste any time. Jump right in and say, here's who I am and what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Richard, thank you so much for calling in and even more so for being an avid listener Absolutely. of Career Talk. Yeah. We love that. We love it, love it. Love that. Um, and if you have a question, today's listener choice, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. But do you know what it is? Time for, what? Ross? What time is it for, Don? It is time for the pre-break quiz. Love it. Quiz. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quiz? Okay. Research published in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Services found that including this in a business email decreased perceptions of competence by the person receiving the message. So research found that including this in a business email decreased the perception of competence by the person receiving the email. Think you know, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. Here's a hint, Ross. I actually use it frequently in my emails. And since I have read the study, I've stopped, you have stopped using this in my business emails. But hey, if you think you know, give us a call. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. We will be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brown. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives. And we are here live in San Francisco with Ross McPherson in studio, president of CareerQuest. And Ross, where can people reach you? All this great resume advice we have going on. And they need to know where to reach you after the show. Oh, I'd love to tell you. And by the way, I love the phrase live in San Francisco with Ross. I love that. I've yeah, always, that should be a want, show. That should I be like really, a morning show. I've always wanted to say that. Um, you can reach me. My website is www.yourcareerquest.com. And I'll even give you a number, which is unheard of, but toll free one eight seven seven four two six eight five four eight. That's how you reach me. I'd love to talk. Awesome. So, okay, a couple of quick things yep. that I want to uh, to say about resume changes that I want to know if you agree or disagree. Sure, fire away. So, yeah, so dropping the uh, the address and just putting in like an email. Absolutely. You and sometimes, LinkedIn. Yeah, you don't need your address. No one's going. Yeah, no one's going to mail you anything. That's where it came from. Was that in the old days? You used to send your resume in and people would mail you a response. That's why that tradition, that sort of protocol came along. No one's mailing you anything anymore. So you can't, the only thing you need to put down in terms of anything geographical is if you want to say, for example, you know, greater San Francisco area, greater Chicago area, greater Dallas area, that you can get away with. And that makes sense. You can say that because that, that's, that's reasonable, but you don't need your address. And yeah, just keep it to... Even just one phone number. I know you may have a cell and a home and a whatever else. Keep it to one number. Add an email. Please make your email professional sounding or at least not ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you can link to your LinkedIn. Have the URL for your LinkedIn in there as well. And customize your LinkedIn URL so it's your name and not some digital code and things like that with like XQL69-7. That might be somebody's name, it might. It might be. I didn't mean to offend that person. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> What do you think of this one? I, I don't agree with this one, but I read something that the new trend is to to take off languages unless it's directly relevant to the job. So if you speak, you know, a couple of other languages, you shouldn't put that on your resume. I can see the what they're saying with that. I mean, I can certainly say if, if you've got multiple languages or if you've got languages that honestly are not going to come into everyday sort of business. And, you know, if it's some very, I hate to say obscure or very not so common kind of a language, then yeah, you've got the option of leaving it off. I always am impressed with multiple languages though, always. 
Um, so I'm a huge fan of leaving them in. If you've got, especially if you've got the big ones, you know, the French, the Spanish, Italian, German kind of things, those, you know, I can see. Absolutely add them in there. But if you've got some of the others, you have the option of taking them off. But I'm always blown away. I'm always impressed. Anyone who's got that, that especially fluency, if, if you can really only order, order dinner in, in Portuguese. <laughs> there you go. In, in whatever it happens to be. I don't think there's anything. That's I've seen it on resumes where they'll say Italian, weak. Why, why, would in bra- in bra- why would you even say that? Take the word weak off of like, your really? resume or right Italian now. basic. No, that's of no value to an employer. So, yeah, you've got that option. But taking them off altogether? No, I'm not a fan. Yeah, especially if you're fluent because you yeah. don't know if it might come in handy. So, hey, we're going to go to Isaac in Oregon. Isaac, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. I love your show. So Thank my you. question is uh, I've been working as a software engineer ever since I've been out of school. So it's been about four or five years. And I just finished my MBA that I was doing at the same time as working. And mm-hmm. basically, I'm in that crossroads where I'm trying to land my first management position, but it's a little challenging for me. And I'm having a hard time achieving that. I do have a little bit of network circle, you know, so I'm doing a lot of getting in touch with people, et cetera. It's not moving very fast at this point, but I, I was just wondering if you had any advice for me for someone who's just out of business school and been working as an engineer that's trying to get that first management position. So have you managed people before at all, Isaac? Uh, I've done like mentoring and like kind of leading small insurance group or like new hires or like even like a remote support team that we have overseas. But I haven't had like an official, you know, manager position per se. And are you looking when when you're looking when you say into a management role? Are you staying within within your field within that sort of engineering or technology end of the world? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I mean, you've got a couple of things, and I can certainly speak to how you sort of present yourself and brand yourself. And I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that on your resume, in your LinkedIn, and 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 even how you, anywhere you're communicating when you're trying to make any kind of a. a you know, communicating what you can add into a management role. Your resume, for example, that top of the resume has got to present you as a leader. It's got to present you in terms of your business management skills that you've gained from the MBA, um, your knowledge, your expertise, and so forth. If you've got, just to Don's point, any sort of leadership experience, um, then highlight that. And one thing you could do at the top of the resume, for example, is you could put, I'm never a fan of objective statements at the top of a resume. Those are useless. But if you put objective engineering management, that's all you need to say. And that's your headline. Instead of that word summary, for example, put objective engineering management and underneath it, tell me a little bit about how you could step into that. How could, what could you add? What does your MBA? And remember those words, you know, ideally suited to or able to contribute to engineering management and assist with this or lead this type of thing, this type of thing, this type of thing. You could even break it down into two or three or three or four bullet points and even categorize them, put one engineering management, another one leadership, another one project management, another one something else. Give me a little blurb, but you got to make a little case for your position and what you can add in, in a management role. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds good. And you sound, Isaac, like you've, I mean, just the, the couple of things you shared with us a few minutes ago, I mean, you sound like you have a lot more experience than you're giving yourself credit for. I mean, you talked about some global stuff mm-hmm. that you did. I mean, um, don't underestimate that. I think one of the things people tend to do is that when they're good at their job, they don't look at it as an accomplishment or achievement or anything that's like, you know, really a wow, because they're like, well, it's just my job. But you have to think maybe another employer will be like, wow. Yeah, we you need know? someone like that. Yeah. So so don't underestimate the experience you have it does not have to be perfect and here's the deal no job description um, out there is going to get a candidate that fills everything what they want are people who are motivated driven who want to learn who are curious and obviously have the basic skill set but i mean it sounds like you do so you go for it isaac uh, absolutely we, we wish you all the best thank you so much for giving us a call on career talk hey today's listeners choice thursday and if it's noon eastern time Thursday, we are live. I'm your host, Dr. Donger, and we're here with Ross McPherson, president of CareerQuest, and we're live in San Francisco today, so very excited about that. Um, Let's answer our pre-break quiz. So the pre-break quiz was this. Research published in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Science found that including this in a business email decreased the perception of competence by the person receiving the message. We're going to go to Janelle in Florida. Janelle, what's your answer? 
I am going to change my answer slightly. I I say an ex- exclamation point. Exclamation okay. point. So it's funny you say that, Janelle, because I um I had somebody tell me that once. I and feedback is a gift, and this was yes. a gift that that I had used to any explanation <laughs> point. And I, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just excited. That, but I really you're emphatic. I, I mean, yeah. maybe I just. But so it's interesting you said that is not the right answer, Janelle. But mm. it is. Uh, but I do think that <laughs> that that's good feedback. Be careful. Is, yep. I mean, you can only be. So excited. So emphatic, yeah. Especially I, if you're talking about work. Like, Yeah, I got to admit, I think I might be guilty of that one myself. I, I clearly was. So I'm very careful about that now. I, like, limit myself, Janelle, to, like, like one maybe or two. one. <laughs> and it depends. If I know the person really well, I might throw in two because... What about the double exclamation point? Never. Never. Okay. Never. That's crossing no, I, the line. I, I think That's... we should, uh, we should <laughs> definitely not do that. So, Janelle, thank you so much for giving us a call to answer Thanks. the pre-break quiz. We really appreciate it. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk. So the pre-break quiz question was this. Research found that including this in a business email decreased the perception of competence. So we're going to go to Lisa in North Carolina. Lisa, what's your answer? Hey, I thought it was emojis. So you are correct, and it, it specifically is a smiley face emoticon, um, but I'm guessing that that probably, you know, if you're using an angry face emoticon, that's not good either. No. But it does. It decreased uh, perceptions of confidence by the person receiving emails. So the researchers conducted multiple experiments across 29 countries to reach their conclusion, and they found that compared to a smile, and I thought this was interesting because they write, IRL. They put this in the actual article, which I'm like, what is that? In real life. I had to look it up. I'm (laughs) I'm old, Ross. Um, Which did boost, obviously, warmth and confidence that emails in that have this smiley face emoji backfired when it came to perceived warmth and confidence. So I'm guilty of this, Ross. Are you? No, so are you saying are you distinguishing between the emoji and like a like a, no, co- I think a it's colon just, closed I think bracket both kind of count. Thing? Basically just a smiley face. It's a drawing that is not a word. <laughs> a drawing that is not a word. <laughs> emoji, it could be I, I, I got semicolon. I, I have I have been guilty of it. I have I have done it. I'm I'm my attempt is I'm just being friendly and personable mm-hmm. and affable, but I can see it. In a, in the right professional context, I don't use them. It's always with someone I'm I'm I feel comfortable enough with. So, Lisa, do you use them? Um, I don't use them in business emails, but I do, and I've seen other people use them in business text. So what do you think about that, the text chain? And and I know it's hard in emails and text messages to get the, um, you know, kind of the the tone behind the message. So I think people use it as a way to lighten the tone. But I found this to be really interesting, that the research also showed that study participants felt less inclined to share information in their response when the sender used a smiley face. So you actually may be getting less information. Oh, that's important. Because the person is... Like, I don't want to share yeah. with you because you're happy. Exactly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then the, the, the study also looked at gender. And while the sex of the sender remained unknown, the researchers discovered that participants just assumed that a woman was sending a message if it contained a smiley face. So, wow. yeah, who knew? Like, I, I, so basically I've stopped. So all my messages now, Lisa, are angry messages because there's <laughs> no... <laughs> there's no exclamation points. There's no smiley faces. They're very direct and to the point. Well, I thought you were angry at me. So. I know. What oh. kind of world do we live in without exclamation points and smiley faces? Hey, Lisa, good job on getting good that job. pre-break quiz. Thank, Thank you for you. calling Career Talk. Hey, you're listening to Ross McPherson, the legend, and it's today's listener's choice. So we're taking your calls all hour. 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. If you've got a question about resumes, LinkedIn, cover letters, or emojis and exclamation points in your cover letter, which general rule of thumb, don't do it. We're here to take your call, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. And we're broadcasting live from San Francisco. So let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn because I know you're here at Wharton San Francisco to do a presentation this afternoon on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so they have a new feature, which I don't like, and it's, (laughs) I don't, and I'm an introvert, and I I don't know if that's why I don't like it, but it's the active now feature. So tell listeners what this is, Ross. Uh, The active status is in LinkedIn messaging, 
and it, it, it will tell you, similar to sort of Facebook, if you're mm-hmm. on Facebook, it will tell you there's sort of like a little green dot that says this person is active, these among your friends are active, they're currently on Facebook. LinkedIn is doing the same thing. They want to encourage more interactivity in LinkedIn through LinkedIn messaging. Um, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I, I don't want to say it's bad altogether. I understand the methodology, the thinking behind it. It's encouraging people to connect. It's encouraging people to share information um, and letting you know who in your network is active right now, who's online. There, if Like a green dot yeah. next to their picture mm-hmm. says they're online. Um, a green dot with a, with a little white dot in the middle of that it means they're on their mobile. Um, but there is... So I understand the idea behind it, but there is also the plus, and this is the only reason why I'm totally okay with it, is you can go into your settings and turn it off. Yes. Tell us how to do that because I do not know that till today and I'm going to do that right after the show. You go into your, (laughs) you go into settings, your privacy and settings Mm -hmm. on your LinkedIn account, go click on the privacy tab at the top and there will actually be a little thing that says, you know, manage your active status. And then if you just turn that off, then no green dot appears. But here's the thing. If you turn off your green dot, like your active stat, you will not see anyone else's active status. Mm-hmm. I'm so, okay with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you are just angry, Don. Sorry. I am just angry. It's not the emojis. It's not the emojis. Um, but that's the thing. So you, you can't have it both ways. You can't turn off yours but see everyone else's. So that's the way it works. But you can turn it off, turn it on, turn it on, turn it off. You can, you can sort of manage it. It's one more thing to manage in LinkedIn. Um, the, my only concern, I'll be honest with you, my only concern, and this is brand new. This is yeah, still, brand new. We haven't seen how this is going to play out. My only concern is people spamming people. Because they see they're online. They're online and they just start sending generic crap to people. They just copy, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, sending out advertising something, promoting themselves in some way, sending, uh, basically just spamming people with it. That would be mm-hmm. my only concern. If that happens, then we have an issue. That's but why I got it's... 16 emails on LinkedIn from you this morning. Oh, it's like, sorry geez, about that. Ross, stop. Sorry. I didn't know I could turn off that button, but you can <laughs> Here's the you other can thing. You, I am. Here's the other thing I found out you can do with that, though, is you can actually, when you go into that privacy setting, and you may want to do this with me, apparently. I just learned this. <laughs> but you can actually, when you turn it off, you can act, or turn it back on again, you can actually select people to, to keep off of it. Oh. So it'll actually say, type in the name of people you do not want to see that you're active. So if there's someone that you absolutely, why you're connected with them on LinkedIn anyway, if you don't want, if you don't like these people and don't want them to know you're on, I don't know why you're connected with them. But anyway, um, but you can actually type in that person's name and they will not see that you're LinkedIn's active. LinkedIn's not concerned with the details of that. They just, that's just the way it is. But here's why I don't like it. Okay, and, far away. And I didn't like it on Facebook either because I have LinkedIn up on my computer all day long. Yeah. All day long. Now I'm not looking at it all day long, but I do. It's up. Yeah, it's up and I use it a lot and um, you know, people are thinking, oh, Dawn's active on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm not. She's listening. I'm not. Yeah. You're not sitting there listening, waiting to be contacted. I, yeah. And I, so I think, I think it gives people who are saying, oh, Dawn's active on LinkedIn. I'm going to shoot her an email. And, oh, well, she didn't respond to me. I mean, it kind of begins to be that instant message yeah. kind of texting thing where it's like, if you don't respond within a certain amount of time, you're, you're a mean person. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like ghosting them or something like that. So I feel like it gets a little bit into that territory. You've got, I think like anything else, again, I understand the, the thinking behind it, but you've got to manage it from your end. And and the fact that they at least give us the opportunity to manage it from our end, that's where I'm okay with it. If it was like a default and you cannot turn it off, people are going to message you because they see your little green dot. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd totally agree with you on that one. Okay, so you can turn off your little green dot. You can. But then you can't see other people's little green dot. And you can type in my name if you don't want yeah. me to see your green if dot. If you don't want Ross to see your little <laughs> green dot and email you, um, then you can do that. Ross McPherson. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. So one of the things I also like to talk about on LinkedIn is uh, some of the overused words. Oh, yeah. And we talk about this all the time. And people know that the overused words like detail-oriented, results-driven. I mean, you might as well write blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. blah. That's how it's being read. Yep. Yeah. They're they're pretty meaningless. So yeah. um, let's talk about, because we talk about what those words are, but we don't really talk about what people can say instead. True. So let's do that. And this yeah. is on your resume. This is on LinkedIn. So, okay, maybe you are results-driven. Maybe you are a strategic thinker. What do people write instead to show versus tell them? Here's the, here's the thing. Here's what I recommend, especially on LinkedIn. On, on a resume, it's easy to get trapped in the resume speak, resume language. But talk to me. It's, it's like, you know, um, strong oral and written communication skills. Mm-hmm. I just ignore that. 
that tells me you actually don't have. You're just using a cliche. So talk to me. It's actually, if you are results oriented or results driven, then simply you know rephrase it as saying you know um, you know like a consistent track record or something. And I'm, this is even sounding cliches, but it's off the top of my head. But if you mention that you've got a consistent or five years track record, um, you know committed to outstanding performance and results, that says something. Or better yet, back it up. Give me an actual example of where you've pr- provided results. Um, that's even stronger. And you can put that right in your profile and say you know you know, committed to results, up, you know, um, increase sales by, you know, by increasing sales by up to this amount with such and such a co- ABC company that actually says something, but simply throwing results oriented. And I'll just add this. There is no such word as results orientated. Please, please, <laughs> Grammar please. with Ross. Grammar with Ross, um, live from San Francisco. Orientated is not a word. And it bothers Ross tremendously. It bothers Ross. It bothers a Ross a lot. Don't. So. Wait. Well, irregardless. Irregardless of. <laughs> irregardless of what Ross just irregardless said. Irregardless of Ross has said. Irregardless yeah. is oh, not a word. It's not a word. It's not a word. And it bothers people like Don and I. Uh, it really Unless does. you put a smiley face after. Yeah. That, that, that's going to get our name typed in, in, in LinkedIn. Um, so, yes. Th- those are the ways. Actually, talk to me. I mean, instead of saying strong oral and written communication skills, which I'm going to ignore. Yeah. It's just as you said, Don, it's blah, blah, blah. Tell me, I mean, if communication skills are important to your role, to the role you're going for with your resume and your branding and your marketing, talk to me about your community. Who are you communicating with? You know, um, you know, able to communicate and build re- strong relationships with vendors, suppliers, uh, strategic partners. And so that tells me something that's mm-hmm. talking to me. But if just give, using cliches and, and as you said, those bland blah, blah, blah words, uh, take them out and actually talk to me. Here's one that made the list for 2017 that I that. actually have not heard before. Uh, best of breed. Ooh. Which I... Ow. Uh, no, I'm thinking... Instantly, horses came to mind. Yeah, well, I'm thinking dogs. Well, still, um... animals. It's not... No. <laughs> no. I don't like that at all. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That just made the list, which means more and more people are using oh, it. I've yeah. not seen it. I've never I have not seen... seen it, and I actually hope not to. That best would bother me. Best of breed. Me. Um, I mean, yeah. How can you say that differently, then? Best of breed. I mean... <laughs> just uh... don't say it. Just don't say it. Yeah. Maybe it means top performer. Top, yeah. Top of the... Like, top-notch kind of thing. I get it. I'd almost rather some other cliche than best of breed. I really don't like that. Yeah. I mean, you could talk about being a consistent top performer and then give examples. Maybe you were salesman of the year. Maybe you were promoted earlier than all of your peers or you were top of your class. Yeah. Say that. Mm -hmm. That actually, again, that's something I understand, but Mm -hmm. best of breed. Best of breed. No. No. Not even with a smiley face and double exclamation, (laughs) exclamation point. No. Well, then I would just admire their courage for for putting that down. (laughs) All right. Well, Ross, this has been awesome. Always awesome. Uh, I know you got in late or early this morning, so you're a trooper for for getting here early. Love it. Um, Where can people reach you? They can reach me at uh, yourcareerquest.com. Uh, or you can reach me. I'll even give you a toll-free number, one eight seven seven four two six eight five four eight. And guess who will pick up the phone? It's me. I will actually so pick up the phone. It's so old school. I love it's it. It's so old school. But you know what? People like talking to people, so I'm all for it. And, that's all. and you actually do pick up the phone. I do actually pick up the phone. I had someone, one of your callers, actually call me up and go, are, are you? Uh, wow, I'm actually talking to the guy. That's the, the guy. Man, the legend. The man, Ross, the legend. <laughs> Ross McPherson. Thank you so much for thank joining you, us Don. on thank Career you, Talk. Hey, Michelle and Danielle, thank you for making this ship run smoothly. And thank you for all of our listeners and callers. You are what this show is all about. If you want more great advice delivered right to your inbox, dawnoncareers.com is where you can find my blog or at Dr. Don Graham. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll see you next time. 